0: you know, I can't complain about the outcome, I had a positive outcome, and a traumatic birth experience. Um, So that happens. I think that's important to say, too, is that um, just because you have a positive outcome doesn't mean you don't have things to heal from, Mm -hmm. from your birth experience, um, which is took me a long time to allow myself to, to know that. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast your source for positive, natural childbirth stories,
1: and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. What does it look like to have true, informed consent? What does it mean to be trusted by your birth team? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 141 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this week we're speaking with Zoe Cole, a mama to two who just had her first happy home birth. I am looking forward to this episode because Zoe brings up some aspects of both of her births that truly paint a picture between obstetric abuse and informed consent. Now, before we jump in, I would love to thank our reviewer of the week, and that is Tori126789 who says so helpful and such a wonderful resource as a home birth baby myself and surrounded by my two sisters who have had 11 home births between the two of them. I thought I knew just about everything about the home birth world, but this podcast has been so helpful for my first baby due in November. And I'm now so excited to have this baby at home. I already feel invincible listening to all these mom stories. I've learned so much, cried so many happy tears, and gained so much insight on how to prepare both mentally, physically, and emotionally while listening. No matter what stage of your crunchy or natural knowledge you're in, this podcast has something for you. Thank you so much, Tori. If you would email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I would love to send you a Happy Home Birth podcast sticker. And if you've been listening to this podcast and haven't headed over to whatever app you're on and left a review or a rating, I would be so honored if you would be willing to take a few minutes to do that. One thing that's really cool about when you leave a review or rating is the more often this show will pop up in someone's recommended feed, just as Zoe is going to talk about. That's how she found the podcast. So if you're enjoying it, if you leave a rating and review, it helps so much for that. And it helps mothers find the show. So thank you so much for doing that. All right, let's go ahead and jump in. Please remember that the opinions of my guest may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and the show is not meant to prescribe or treat. It's an educational tool, so continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Zoe, I'm so excited to have you on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on.
0: Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. I mean, we're practically best friends, I agree. I definitely agree. We've already talked about how Instagram allows us to just assume people are our best friends. Right, obviously. But
1: so so the listeners can know you as well as I do. Would you mind just
0: taking a second to introduce yourself and your family? Yes. Um, My name is Zoe. I am married to my husband, Mike, and we live in San Clemente, California doing that condo living. Um, Mm. but it's really, really nice, um, to be this close to the beach because we, we love being close to the ocean. It's a big part of our lives. And we have a almost two year old named Bodie. That's our girl. And we just had our son almost four weeks ago on July 5th. So almost a month old. Um, and his name is Boston. Mm.
1: Oh, that's so exciting. So I can't wait to hear about these births, about how these two little beings came to be. So what was your
0: uh, pregnancy experience like with Bodhi? So with Bodhi, it was pretty routine, I'll say, um, as far as births or pregnancies go here in the U.S. I, I went with hospital care. I kind of just... Um, I didn't really do too much research beyond like what to expect when you're expecting until the end of my first pregnancy, when I had to start deciding like on interventions and things learning, like if I wanted an epidural and shots and all that. And, um, I was also working a very busy corporate job. So I'll just say that I was a little bit on autopilot during my first pregnancy, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is normal. It was just kind of like, you just try to live your life Um, and then pregnant, like as you're pregnant, not, not really not realizing how, how much my body was doing and, and preparing. And I wasn't, I, I personally wasn't really doing much else, um, in the way of preparing my body, preparing my mind. And then the end came and I was like, oh shoot, Mm. (laughs) the baby has to come out. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's a pretty overwhelming realization. So, what did you think when you were looking into all of the interventions and all of the options? Like, how did you take that in and then what choices did you make?
0: Honestly, I I just kind of didn't know what I wanted and and I had asked a couple coworkers and a couple people around me and everyone kind of gave me like, you know, their their horror stories, unfortunately. And, you know, I definitely didn't have any person tell me a positive, a positive natural birth, but really not really a positive birth story in general. Um, And so it caused a lot of fear in me. And so, and I will just say that I, I didn't have a great experience with the OB that I had. Um, She wasn't very she didn't spend a lot of time, but she also kind of gave me like a complex about my weight without really explaining, you know, why she was doing that. And just her bedside manner wasn't very great. And so I didn't feel like I could ask her a lot of things. And that's, that's what I learned, um, you know, the second time around to do the work and find a provider that you really love, you really like, and you trust and you can have conversations with. And, um, but anyway, so I—that's what brought me to um, starting to learn, listen to birth stories. And so I—I I don't remember how I came across the podcast, the Birth Hour—and um, was just started listening to that on my drives to work and started listening to all kinds of birth stories and and getting little bits of education here and there. But I think more importantly, I started getting like empowerment from hearing all these other women tell their stories and I think because they weren't like direct related to me I was able to separate a little bit of the like trauma rather than someone telling you like to your face like their horrible story if that makes Mm -hmm. sense definitely so I read Ina Mae Gaskin's book and I read um, Kimberly and Johnson's The Fourth Trimester and you know in the last bit of my pregnancy I just like I shoved all the education mm. I could in, and I had planned to have a natural birth at the hospital. And um, and I did have a doula. I got a doula um, kind of at the end just because my good friend Kelsey was finishing up her doula cert and offered to attend my birth. And I was like, of course, I love Kelsey, and she's been really supportive. Um, so, and this was pre-COVID, so, you know, I could have my husband I could have um, my doula and my sister-in-law had planned to be there and so um, my first labor was very long Um, they did the normal like tried to induce me at 39 weeks and I kind of fought them off the whole week and and um, basically we my labor stalled twice going to the hospital you know doing the drive having the car tractions which no I hate that no one should ever (laughs) to deal with that seriously, seriously. <laughs> horrible um and um I had like a very very long labor uh, active labor it was um over I want to say it was over 24 hours you know me and my husband were up I was doing the thing where I was just trying to induce my own labor naturally walking a ton not resting a lot in early labor because I was so afraid of getting induced And I ended up getting induced anyway, because I was exhausted after a night of laboring and um, I just needed to sleep. And another thing that happened during my first labor is that the OB, you know, I was exhausted. I finally said, am I a good candidate to have my water broken? Um, And the OB came like at the end of her shift. She didn't even look at me she checked me and said the baby's head was too high. And so she didn't want to risk cord prolapse. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's good. You know, I was bummed, but I'm like, I understand why. But then as she was like pulling her fingers out of me, I felt a big gush and a bunch of water on the bed. And I said, was that my water? And she said, no, that was just discharge. And I was, you know, I'm deliriously exhausted. And I'm like, discharge, like I'm (laughs) twenty. seven years old I think mean, I know it just started. <laughs> I am gushing discharge yeah I'm like that's worrisome in itself but you know <laughs> but I was like you know you are the one with the medical degree I'm just you know I got to trust you and and um maybe the hour and a half after that I also was told like I was um I got regular vaginal checks the last couple weeks of my pregnancy and I was told my um, prescribed number so i i thought i was stuck at a four for like days and days and um she told me i was still at a four and so i was like wow i i'm literally i'm stuck at a four this baby's never gonna come like i'm losing the ability to relax my body and in the next hour and a half i was like it was so intense i just the, the contractions were on top of each other and i finally told my husband like i I don't want to meet my baby like this. I need to sleep. Um, let's let's get the epidural. And um, I didn't know at the time that my water had broken because I wouldn't let anyone check me after that. I like the truss was broken. I was I was exhausted and and just kind of beaten down. And I ended up um getting the epidural. And then when they checked me after that, I was at a nine and a half. So she had definitely broken my water. The baby's head was Super dropped super low, and I went from a four to a nine in like an hour and a half, and that's why it was so intense.
1: Gosh. And
0: so, um, and I couldn't lay down, so like a gravity, it was like water broke gravity, um, you know, head to the cervix, it was all the things, and I was like not understanding why it felt like my bones were like splitting apart. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so, um, you know, I don't have anything against hospital births, I don't have anything against OBs, but I just I didn't have a positive experience with any of the OBs that helped me during my first pregnancy, and I had a lot um, that had a lot to do with how I went into my next pregnancy. Even before I got pregnant, just educating myself and and knowing all the possibilities of what's out there, what is high risk, and um, what happens in a birth center, and what you know, what happens in home births, and difference between an OB and a midwife, like all of that was informed by my first birth. And luckily, um, my daughter, after two hours of pushing her out, um, her and I were, we both healthy. And, um, you know, I can't complain about the outcome, I had a positive outcome, and a traumatic birth experience. Um, so that happens. I think that's important to say, too, is that um, just because you have a positive outcome doesn't mean that you don't have things to heal from from Mm -hmm. your birth experience, um, which is, took me a long time to allow myself to, to know that.
1: Oh, that's, that is such a good point. And, and it, it's constantly being shoved in our faces, right? Like, well, what are you upset about? You have a healthy baby. Like, well, what's wrong? You have a healthy baby. Like, like, oh, that's the only thing. That's the only thing that you can see. Of course. I'm so grateful for this healthy baby, but I just went through something
0: (laughs) traumatic. Yeah. And I didn't understand it. It took me over a year to really understand what had happened to me. And, and, and I, I didn't want to sound ungrateful. So I'm like, I don't regret anything. I don't regret anything. And I just try to be really positive about it. And there's something, you know, there you gotta, you kind of got to go through it and acknowledge it and validate the experience. And then you can and then you can really take the positives from it and a big positive from it was that the midwife on call although i wished that my 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 labor wasn't as long as it was i never would have met my midwife karen who ended up being my midwife um for boston's birth oh, wow. so such a such a, a god thing how that happened is that i do remember she was the only like provider that I felt like peace when she came in the room she's a very calm presence and she had actually tried I could tell she was like crunchy from the beginning because like she's like this the way the baby is would be best if you could get on all fours could you get on all fours and they all tried to help me and I had like dead legs and it was pretty laughable at the time but um like I was I remember I I I flagged that in my mind because I'm like oh she she really tried to do something that was like more natural. And, um, you know, fast forward to when I went in for one appointment with at the beginning of my pregnancy with Boston, the midwife that was seeing me was asking me about my first birth. And and then I said, I really liked the midwife that delivered me, but I don't know who she is. And she told me, oh, Karen's really crunchy. She has she does home births. And I was like, wait, what? Like, (laughs) And from there, I, I reached out to her. her website and we had an interview and it just it felt like really really right and peaceful she answered a million questions for me and my husband and especially because Boston was born during you know on the tail end of of the the COVID situation at the hospital but that was another reason that I wasn't so inclined to go to the hospital if I don't didn't need to I was thinking maybe more of a birth center or you know possibly home but I think that was like that was my sign from god like mm-hmm. that that this is you can do this home birth like i'll I'll provide a way so
1: oh that's amazing okay and so karen yeah. you said that she so did she actually catch bodie or was she she just she like did. there
0: oh wow she did yeah so i i don't know who what it cuz i was there for probably um not weird there a total of 48 hours but she was she was the because my labor got per- stalled when I got my epidural, she was working, she works only per diem birth. So I would have never seen her during my, you know, my care. Um, I wasn't even able to get a midwife because they were so, um, impacted during my, my pregnancy. I wasn't even at the hospital that I delivered at. So that's another thing. <laughs> if wow. you, if you're detoured to like go see a, um, OB at a hospital, you know, you're not even going to deliver out. That's like a red flag.
1: (laughs) Good gosh. Yeah. That's great.
0: Yeah. Like I never would have met her. That's why I say, um, you know, my first labor and birth was very difficult, but I believe it happened exactly how it was going to happen. And I just have full faith that, that God has his hand on every part of our lives, even the challenging parts, because there's a lesson or there's a blessing Mm-hmm. Um, in it and Karen is definitely she's a blessing I love her so much. Oh,
1: I love to hear that
0: and what do you okay so so you said that
1: Bodhi is two and Boston's four weeks so there wasn't a huge huge period of time between you know the end of your like you know before you got pregnant so in yeah. that in that period of time though it does sound like you were already kind of mentally number one working through what had happened to you and then number two, considering what you would do differently the next time. So
0: what was that phase like? Am I right in saying that? You are. and so I kept I kept listening to um, at the time it was mostly the birth hour um, but I would kind of listen to all kinds of birth stories, not just home births um, but more more natural births and more, more people like me who had gone through maybe a traumatic first birth and then and then had, you know, a redemptive birth. I just started to really kind of envision and pray over my, you know, my future birth because I knew I knew that it could be different and I actually I'm a photographer. I didn't mention that. I am a um I'm a motherhood photographer, so I do maternity and newborn and I actually started doing births in 2019. And so I shot my first birth. And that was six months after my daughter was born. And it was kind of like a textbook, like verbatim what happened to me in the hospital. And it brought up a lot for me seeing it on the outside. And it's beautiful. She had another she had a healthy outcome as well. Um, But it made me really like, observe the, you know, the hospital medical model Mm -hmm. being on the outside of it. And, um, and then that was February 2019. So, um, or sorry, February 2020. So then no more birth photographers in the hospital in March. Oh, (laughs) that part of my business was on pause. Um, But, you know, I spend a lot of time in my business, talking to mothers, uh, hearing their birth stories. Um, That's all we do at newborn sessions is talk about their birth stories. And I was also just noticing the amount of Emergency C sections happening with my clients, and and the amount of interventions, and and um, you know I think that our our medical system is such a blessing for trauma and emergencies, but I really just started to see a pattern of not non-risk pregnancies, and then these really really traumatic, uh, highly intervened births and. And I this was just an observation I was making, and so through that I was just you know listening to stories started following more um midwifery models pages and really just educating myself and then when Bodhi was one, we were like, "Oh let's try and you know we're very blessed we didn't have to try very long we got mm-hmm. pregnant when she was like uh thirteen months. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're like, okay, we are doing this two under two thing. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> wonderful.
1: <laughs> oh, that's so um, cool. And yeah, and so so you've been listening to these stories. You get pregnant. And then, yeah, how did it go?
0: I think I just like the beginning of it. Definitely having a toddler, you don't have as much time to um, overthink as many things, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and in this, also in that time I had quit my corporate job and just went fully freelance. And so I was able to design my schedule a little bit more to, um, educate myself and not just put this education on the back burner. So after we had, after we had decided to go with Karen, I fully took my pregnancy to like I'm going to do everything I can to prepare my body and prepare my mind. So I, I started seeing a chiropractor. I saw a chiropractor every week of my pregnancy. I, um, I think I already told you Spotify recommended your, your podcast to me. And I'm so grateful that it did. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, Spotify. To, I, yeah. Killing it with those wrecks. <laughs> um, and I listened to binge, listened to every episode re-listened to a lot of episodes. Um, and a couple other home birth podcasts just because once I decided it was a home birth I wanted to I wanted to hear as many stories and watch I watched a ton of natural births online and and also preparing my husband so if if he didn't get like a daily <laughs> birth videos and off day like <laughs> I was just like sending him birth videos and and, you know, by the end of my pregnancy, you know, in the beginning, it was like, whoa, whoa, you know, it's overwhelming. And then by then he's like, wow, look at what she's doing there. You know, like, mm. so it's like totally recognizing how I changed my own narrative of what is normal in birth and then saying, like, I need to do that for my partner because um, he's my he's my everything during labor. I mean, so he's got to have, you know, as much change of his mindset as I do. And luckily my husband's really supportive because he knows that I do all the research, but <laughs> definitely, definitely more so the second time, I think after the first time he was a little worried and that's kind of why we decided to do the hospital. Um, but the second time around, he's like, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, mm. okay, let's do it. Right. Um, yeah. So I saw the chiropractor. So I went to the acupuncturist a couple times, and I was in regular conversation with my doula, my whole pregnancy, not just the end. And then, of course, my midwife, Karen, she came once a month. And then toward the end, she came more frequently than that. But our, our appointments were like an hour. And she came to the house. So Mike didn't have to miss out on any appointments she could do. If we wanted ultrasound, she could do them, you know, from her phone and just everything just was a lot more catered to us and she could answer a million questions because we were her only patient. And that was just the thing to recognize is that if you go to a hospital or birth center, um, they have to juggle a lot of patients. They've got a full load. And when you have a midwife at home, you're their their only patient, you know, and Karen also takes, she takes on less, um, home births because she's working for DM and she also likes to come during early labor. So like we really, really felt cared for was like, um, yeah, it was just so, so different from my first experience.
1: Yeah. It sounds like it, it just sounds like that level of I don't know the ability to just trust your care provider, and mm-hmm. it's really neat that it kind of stuck out in your mind already that she was a trustworthy person <laughs> in such a
0: yeah. difficult
1: initial birthing experience. She was trustworthy, and one thing I wanted to mention that I thought was really interesting when you were talking about, um, you know, preparing with your partner and just the idea of exposing, like exposing him to what birth can be because like you said like I mean he had seen your birth in the hospital and how difficult that was and then so I bet it was kind of surprising at first to be like oh my gosh like what is this like what is this that I'm seeing also because it was just yeah. probably so different from
0: what you guys had experienced and and I showed him one birth video before we had Bodhi and it was like the home birthiest free birth in the jungle that (laughs) it's probably like not the right one to show him and he was like I wish I didn't see that (laughs) and he said after (laughs) it was like in in the jungle in Australia I was like I thought it was beautiful but then he was like what like where are they just by themselves it's the the daughter in the pool like it's like so And I just like laughed at it, but it also kind of made me like, oh my God, if he's freaking out, he's going to freak out during our our birth. And he definitely didn't. He was like a rock. Oh, he was like awesome during both of my births. But I was like, okay, second pregnancy, maybe one or two more videos Mm -hmm. (laughs) and different, different types of videos. And, and it was like, you know, I, it was mostly home birth, but I just, I showed him all kinds of births that I was also exposing myself to. And I, um, my sister-in-law had planned to come too. So I was like also sending her videos. It's like, everyone's going to be so birthed out by the, by the time this baby comes.
1: You guys are going to be really comfortable. <laughs> yeah.
0: Coats my goats. Going to see a lot of heads coming out of a lot of vaginas. Um... <laughs> oh man, that's okay. So you did a
1: lot of preparation this time. Like you I did.
0: And then. I also did your your um, Happy Home Birth Academy about halfway through. Um, you released, or you reopened it, and um, I I love I loved it because it was modules. There's a couple other recommended courses um, that my midwife sent me, but they were live or they were on Zoom. And, and I know all the toddler moms are like agreeing with me that it's just <laughs> really hard to make anything regularly with like a one and a half year old. So it was perfect because I could just do them as I needed to, and I I saved some of the modules for my husband to watch when he had a minute, so he didn't have to watch the whole thing, but he could he could um, kind of flag. And it was just really well rounded as far as um, from nutrition to preparing your home and your your mind, and and even the module uh, on like emergencies that could happen that could be ha- handled by your midwife in the home or what you know, what would, um, be cause for a transfer and, mm. you know, just, it was so well-rounded and I really love that you have that. It was a great, it was a great way for, for me to prepare mm. just to add to everything that I was doing. And then the other thing that I did, um, kind of in tandem with your course is I read Lily Nichols, uh, what's it called? Her
1: Real, Real Food for it. Pregnancy?
0: yeah so like in between in the year that after I had Bodhi I did a lot of kind of cleaning up my diet and intuitive like figuring out what made my body feel best when it was when I wasn't pregnant and that helped me feel so much better going into my second pregnancy just because I I was eating better um with Bodhi I had a lot of meat aversions so I was eating a lot of like vegan products and soy and Um, just, you know, a lot of processed food. And um, so my second pregnancy, I just felt so much better, even though I, you know, I was tired from chasing around a toddler. It wasn't the same, like, just kind of crappy Mm feeling that I had with Bodhi. Mm, That's amazing
1: to hear. Gosh, I love hearing that, especially because I know, and sometimes I, I forget, and then it's like, it comes to my attention. It's like, there is this uh, there's this issue where people don't realize like what you eat doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter just that you're eating. There's more to it than that. And of course, like getting enough calories, sure. That's important, but the density of the nutrition is so critical for the growth of this baby and for your safety and health. Um, so hearing that you were able to make those changes and, and feel a difference is, is huge. Hey mamas, I'm going to interrupt for just a second to let you know that I have a totally new, totally free home birth guide for you. It's called the Top Eight Home Birth Resources checklist, and it is full of clickable links that will take you to the best podcast episodes, educational resources, and classes regarding home birth in order to get you ready for this life-altering experience. What in? Just head to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash top eight to get your hands on it. Okay, back to the episode.
0: Yeah. And it I also um I keep bouncing back and forth. I'm sorry, but You're fine. um during during my first pregnancy, I I worked out like every morning before work and I had a very physical job. I I did like production photography for for so I was like setting up C stands and doing like way too much physical work on my feet, but and I was also just trying to like obsess with working out. I had this, this, um, complex about my size and my weight and my second pregnancy, you know, I, I worked out here and there and, and I, our lifestyle is pretty active, just trying to be outside and trying to stimulate my toddler. But I didn't do the same, put the same amount of pressure on myself to like, quote unquote, workout exercise. Mm -hmm. Like I did things like yoga or a little bit of Pilates or, you know, a lot of breathing exercises to, um, you know, strengthen my body and do what felt good. But I rested a lot more during my pregnancy when I could Mm. during my second pregnancy. Um, and that made a huge difference because, you know, um, I knew my, my, my only fear really, um, was not the pain. It was to be exhausted again. Cause I know that's what happened during my first pregnancy. And so, I wanted to give myself rest. I wanted to give myself quiet time whenever I could. Um, And I just, I actually wasn't weighed to this day. I don't know what I weigh, but I wasn't weighed my entire pregnancy with um, Boston because I knew it was a trigger. And I asked my midwife if it was actually necessary. And she said, no. So it's like, great, I'm not going to weigh myself. Oh, that
1: is the best. That is a midwife that I love. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> yeah,
0: Karen's the best. That's huge. And like, and I still don't. I still don't know why. Why they need to take? I mean, she works in a hospital, and she told me there's not really a reason if you're not high risk. So I'm like, oh, okay, well then we're not gonna do it. I love it. Let's just uh, cancel that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Okay. So we're, we're here. We, you have prepared so incredibly. I'd love to hear what this labor was like as you kind of entered that early labor and then how did it progress?
0: Yes. Oh, sorry. One more thing I did to prepare. Yeah. I saw a pelvic floor therapist. Oh, good. Um, the same, same one that I saw after my daughter, um, because I was having some just like some pain from actually being like the muscles being too tense because I did what every person does just kegels and not the relaxation part (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so I was so tense that I had to have some of that like active release and so I saw the same pelvic floor therapist twice during my pregnancy with Boston and she actually checked me early on and I had the same like um tendency to, to tense up so she's like I don't want you to do any kegels during your pregnancy None. I'm like, okay. And then I had another appointment with her um, leading up to my birth where she checked the nerve activity of my pelvic floor in all the birthing positions. And she was able to tell me where I was the most relaxed, which is really cool. If you're oh, a birth yeah. nerd.
1: That is really, really neat. That's fascinating. I will say with yeah. my, between my first and my second, one of the biggest things that I think helped me um, was getting uh, like fascial, re- myofascial release done specifically for my pelvis yeah. because I'm the exact same way. Which I think a lot of women don't recognize this. They feel like, oh, if you have any kind of pelvic problems, it's probably because your pelvic floor is not strong enough. And usually, like really a lot of the time, it's the opposite. Your pelvic floor is just in yeah. this super tightened state. And so when she, I remember, okay, so I saw a pelvic floor therapist after I had my first, after I had Janie. And she, I remember her telling me like, okay, release your muscles now. And I'm like, okay, they're released. And she's like, no, release your muscles. And I'm like, I'm literally as relaxed as I can be. I can't be (laughs) relaxed anymore. And so it was like clear to me, like I'm, I'm doing everything I can. I just can't relax them anymore. And so then when actually someone who was a podcast listener reached out and told me about a local woman that she used for myofascial release of her pelvis, um I went and saw her and it was everything. Like she did fascia, she did like actual muscular release, and I remember getting wow. up off the table and being like, "Holy cow, I can move my tailbone."
0: <laughs> like yeah. That's no funny cuz that that exact same thing happened to me the first time she's like, relax. I'm like, I am. She's like, you're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if I've ever relaxed my my muscles down there. And I think if you're also a person who tends to like bundle up with anxiety, it makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense yeah. that we tense up there because we're, you know, protecting and harboring. And I don't think we realize um, how much our body responds when you are, you know, under attack from anxiety or fears or things just stress like your body really really reacts and you just don't realize that it's in those places Mm -hmm. um you think it's going to be like your shoulders and your neck only which it could be there but it's probably that pelvic floor too (laughs) right I mean
1: everything's connected you know like Mm -hmm. if you're finding it in your shoulder it's probably
0: in your pelvis yeah (laughs) totally yeah so um I made sure to just be kind of my aim was to just be super connected to my body, like just um, really intuitive and, and taking the time to learn what everything felt like and taking conscious, making a conscious effort to connect and and feel like even when I went to the chiropractor and he'd check me and I'd be like, well, what causes that? And, and you know, I'd have like conversations with all my providers about what they were doing, why they were doing it. And that really helped. I really think it helped me connect to my body, like not even to put everything into words, but just to be able to feel what was happening and, and know what it meant to me during my labor.
1: Mm, I love that. That's, uh, that's how I am with care providers. And I'm always like, you're either going to really love me or you're going to be so annoyed with all of my <laughs> questions. I'm not sure. <laughs> but
0: I, know. I'm gonna I mean, yeah, I mean, I haven't with the, these kind of providers, I feel like they love it because mm-hmm. they want, you know, I feel like most, most people in this line of work are passionate about birth and they want more people to be informed. So I think that most of them are pretty happy to share. So true. So, um, so I will launch into my birth story with Boston. So He came on July fifth, so July fourth is a huge deal in San Clemente. So I was a little bit stressed, and we live right by the pier, which is where they do the firework show. Oh my god! I was like, they literally closed part of our street for a parade. I'm like, oh my god! If this is the day that like my midwife has to navigate her way to our house, like I am like a bundle of stress. So I was like. Um, he could like not come on the 4th of July. That'd be great. The ideal. (laughs) Um, and he didn't. So that was great. But I didn't, I didn't sleep that great because everyone was like partying it up on our street. Um, and then my waves, I should say that 40 weeks came and went. And on 40 weeks, I was like, you know what? I feel so at peace. I don't, need to rush this baby out and then the two days later I was like oh my god I'm panicking about fourth of July can this baby come out and it's just so funny because I didn't have a chance to get antsy with Bodhi um because they were kind of trying to rush her out at 39 weeks um with no real reason Mm -hmm. so I was like oh this is what 40 weeks this is what like the 40 week antsy dance feels like Mm -hmm. um so um So he ended up coming on exactly 41 weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, so that morning I, I had waves that were like, I had prodromal labor the whole, that whole week before, but they were all kind of Braxton Hicks, you know, a couple that I had to, to like pause and, and breathe through, but, but it would always subside. And so by the time that Monday came at 41 weeks, I had an appointment with Karen and I was like, I am okay if you want to, if you check my body and my body is in a good place to get my membrane sweet, I can't really sleep through these waves anymore. So I'm happy to get things going. And we had also agreed that I didn't want to know um, any, like, I didn't want her to prescribe any dilation numbers to me. I didn't want to know. She could just tell me like your body's progressing or, you know, we had talked about language to use. I was avoiding the word contraction. So I chose waves um, I, I was avoiding the word pain and using like intensity, you know, things like that. And so we were all kind of on the same page. So she came and checked me around 1230 that day, said your body is in a great place. Um, she ex- she looked me in the eye and she explained exactly how she was going to do the membrane sweep, what it could do if my body was ready to go into labor. Um, and she was going to do like three sweeps and pause in between, check in with me between each one. So it was just so different from my first um mm-hmm. that first experience with the ob cuz that first ob i i distinctly remember it didn't even look at me um and so karen you know was looking me right in the eyes pausing making sure she had my consent and you know it wasn't membrane sweeps are never comfortable um <laughs> but but i was like this is my choice and i know why we're doing it i know how she's doing it and it was just it was um really a really good choice from then. So um I spent the rest of the day just with Mike and Bodhi. We we took some we came up with with a plan with Karen to kind of do a little bit of activity and then rest, activity and then rest, and then by six that night kind of decide if we're gonna keep things going or if I needed to pump the brakes so that I could sleep through the night. Um, so that's what we did. We walked down by the pier. We're outside in the sunshine. And I, um, I was having my waves progress, but they weren't anything that I couldn't handle on my own. I would kind of sway through some of them and breathe through some of them. And Mike kept kind of checking in, like, are you having one right now? I'm like, yeah, but we're good. And he, it was just so different. Cause I was just so scared during my first labor that I, f- I was like hanging off him, like early on just because I was like I don't know what's happening if this is like it's it's gonna get more painful than this and and it was just so different I just felt like very like I was working with my body and I knew what was happening and and I really just wanted to like watch Bodhi and soak her up and watch every single little facial expression and and the way she was talking to the birds and (laughs) I just you know I was really emotional about her not being my only baby for like the last three months of my pregnancy. And so I just was so just soaking her up. And just, yeah, I was like, I really had a feeling this is the last night she would be our only child. So that's like a lot of what I was, I was thinking about. And I was also just praying a lot. I prayed, like this very similar prayer, the whole last part of my pregnancy, I was just asking God just to clear away like any anxieties I had and lifting casting out all my fears to him and and asking him you know if if this anxiety or this fear of exhaustion if anything's showing up as tension in my body then I just ask you to clear it away and just give me full abundant confidence and energy and and um you know obviously asking him to you know bless all the other people in the room but I was (laughs) Like focusing a lot on, mm-hmm. on that same prayer. And so I think that brought me a lot of peace too, just cause I was just finding that connection to God and reminding myself that no matter what happened, uh, he's holding me and he has a plan for me and my baby and our birth. So mm-hmm. I just felt really at peace with it. And I should say around 35 weeks, um, the baby turned transverse. And so that was like the only week that I had really high anxiety because I, there was a possibility he could decide to turn his head up and um, there's only one OB that will do home birth breach births. And um, you know, obviously that's an extra cost. And, but like the thought of going back to a hospital, like I didn't even go to the interventions that could happen. the thought of walking into the hospital brought me so much anxiety that I like I had sessions with Kelsey to help me out and, and I was doing all the hypnobirthing um, or not hypnobirthing, uh, spinning babies. And, and I did the moxibustion and, and luckily after a week he turned mm. his head back down. um, But that was like the peak of anxiety during my pregnancy. So I think after that, I felt like all the anxiety that I could have had, like, I'm like, it, you know, it's passed because I feel like so. I just feel so at peace with this. So, um, so around four, I decided my husband was making dinner and I was like, I'm not going to sleep through these. So I'm going to call Karen and tell her like, um, you know, whatever we have to do to keep this going, I'm, I'm meeting my baby today. Mm. And she was, she was happy with that. She came back with, um, the midwife assistant who I got to meet that morning as well. And she's, uh, her name's Sarah. She's just, She's such a doll, and I'm I'm really glad I got to meet her before uh, my birth. Um, so around six thirty, my wave started to get more intense. Where I would kind of hold on to the counter and like jiggle my legs, like kind of like that um, shaking the apples, but I was doing it to myself, like yeah. just to keep myself relaxed. And then and then there were like flash dance jokes, you know, because of quick that quick feet move. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I mean, it's just like so different. I was like, we're laughing about things between these waves and and just really having fun. And it was just a lot lighter of a mood than it was like the panic of, of our first labor. Mm-hmm. And we put Bodie down at 630 um, and I spent a, a couple minutes with just her and me and I you know I teared up and she's a toddler, so she didn't know what the heck I was doing and, <laughs> um, But I just you know, I just like snuggled her as much as I could and I, I put her down and then our birth team arrived at seven and uh, she Karen checked me because I was like, if if we need to break my water, I'm okay with that. I'm like, you know, if, if you look at my body and, and it's we're in a good place and when she checked me, she's like, I can try to break your water, but his head is so engaged with your cervix. There's not even a pocket of fluid for me Mm -hmm. really to get in there. So she tried, but like no fluid came out or anything. And I wasn't noticing any like leakage or anything. So, um, we just kind of, I did different positions. I did like a frog pose. I was sitting on the, the birth ball. I had my birth playlist going. It was a lot of worship. Um, And my birth photographer arrived, my doula arrived, and then my sister in law came a little bit later. Um, but I just in between all my waves, like the intensity, they were very long waves, but the intensity was building so gradually and then tapering off so gradually that they were just so manageable. Mm. I like, I don't, I can't think of any other word. And and I was prepared for like back labor for some reason, but I had all the pressure and my low belly in the front. And so, um, Mike was behind me, like lifting my belly and that took off a lot of pressure during the wave. So I didn't really have like any counter pressure. That was kind of the move that he helped me with, um, that our Sarah our midwife assistant suggested. So that was unexpected, but you know, he learned something new every, every birth, I guess. Yeah. And then, um, I don't know what time it was, but Karen pretty much had Mike set up the birth pool immediately when they got there, just so it was ready. And so she's like, you can get in the water. And once I got in the water, I'm like, this really is amazing. I've been like waiting for this day. Everyone says it's so amazing. And and it really was, the warm water was so relaxing. Um, I was doing pretty well through my waves, but it just was allowed like my legs to relax. They had been standing for you know a lot of the day and the warmth felt really good. Um, it started getting dark but we had all the windows open we could see like the palm trees and and the sky outside and I just I just was like this feels so good and my sister-in-law came in and um, she came in at the most like at the peak of intensity during my first birth so she was very anxious at where I was going to be and she came in and she was kind of tearing up and she's like oh my god you're smiling Mm. I'm so happy you're smiling Mm. she, you know, I know that um she was worried for me, but she just she was so happy and and we're all kind of just doing the same thing, joking between waves. And and after about I think 30, 45 minutes, Karen suggested getting out of the the pool just to keep things progressing, you know, changing positions. And I was like, I don't want to, but I will. <laughs> so, Fine. Um yeah, so I stood up and had a pretty intense wave and I was like wow, that was intense. And I didn't know at the time, but that was probably where I started transition. Mm. And so um, Karen suggested that I moved to the toilet. So I moved over to the toilet and it was just Mike and I in there. And all the while I will say like Karen and Sarah were monitoring me, the baby's heart heartbeat and, and Sarah would always ask first. She wouldn't just like come and invade my space. Um, she would always ask and, but they were pretty, um, hands off, like they're observing, but they're just kind of letting me do my thing. And I really appreciated that. Cause I always knew they were there, but I didn't feel like my space was being invaded.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I, I did feel a little bit watched just cause we live in such a small space. So I think going into the bathroom was really good. Cause it was just me and Mike for the most part. And Kelsey, my doula came in a couple times as well. Um, but we were able to have a little bit more privacy in there. And so I was wet from the pool. So, Mike put a towel around me cause I was shivering a little bit and I had two waves in there where I was like, Whoa, these are, these are really intense. And I was starting to curl my toes a little bit and um, Kelsey came in and, and just kind of would place her hand on my toes. And mm. she would remind me of um, I had written my, my own affirmations and put them up on the window. And I recommend anyone doing that for any kind of birth you're having because Um, pre-written affirmations are amazing but when you write them yourself um even if someone's repeating them to you it feels like you're speaking like to yourself and so she was repeating my affirmations to me and and she would just you know say you know soft shoulders soft forehead, soft toes and those are the things I needed to hear and it was so helpful just to feel her her touch even if she didn't have to say something um but after two waves in there I um I realized it felt a little bit better to push. And so, of course, now I know that I was pushing. I started pushing, but at the time, I didn't think that consciously. So I was instead of moaning, I was more like groaning, like, Ooh. And, <laughs> and um, Kelsey was like, you're doing sounds like you're doing good work in here. And I was hanging off of Mike and I kind of had this flashback to where we were in the bathroom during that really scary, intense part of my first birth and just how different it was like. Like, I remember the look in his eyes where he just was so worried for me Mm. during my first birth. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know how, why this is so intense all of a sudden. And then the second time, how we're just having this really intimate time together and we're kind of laughing and just chatting with each other in between. And then I'm making these, like, I'm taking a dump sounding (laughs) moan, groans in between. And, And then Karen pops her head and she's like, Hey, if you want to give birth to Boston in the pool, I'd go back in the pool now. And I'm like, mm. wait, what? Like <laughs> I I swore I had hours ahead of me. And I was like, oh, okay, like we're going back. So I got back in the pool. And this time I wasn't really doing this the frog squat. I just kind of was had my legs outstretched in front of me. Mike was behind me outside the pool. Kelsey was on the outside of the pool, like holding my right hand, Mike was behind me and kind of to my left and my mm-hmm. sister-in-law was behind me praying over us. Oh, And then, and then um, Kelsey or uh, Karen and Sarah were like, kind of where my feet were so they could monitor the baby mm-hmm. and, and uh, my legs were outstretched. So I was kind of in between this position and then on my left a little bit on my left hip a little bit, which is, um, I didn't realize it until after, but those were the two positions that my pelvic floor was the most relaxed when my pelvic floor therapist checked uh, for me. So, Oh my gosh, Zoe, you know, how I did cool it. is that? It is so cool and I did it intuitively. Mm-hmm. So I realized, you know, and my I was never checked before pushing or anything like that. Like halfway through pushing, Sarah was like, is she crowning? And Karen's like, I don't know, let me check. Like everybody's <laughs> just so calm. And I think they just, she knew I was pushing from the sounds I was making. Mm -hmm. And I think I realized during that time, I'm like, okay, I can either be passive and my body's pushing the baby out, but it feels really productive to push with it, even though it's not super comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) Like, of course it's not like a walk in the park, but (laughs) I'm like kind of having this inner dialogue with myself. And then, um, Karen was like, you can, you can reach down and feel if you want. And I can, I could feel his head like right at the entrance of my vagina, but I kind of intuitively like put like peace fingers on the outside to support um, the top of my vagina and the sides to kind of guide him out. So I, I kind of supported myself Mm. um because I felt I definitely I didn't feel the ring of fire but I felt the stretching and I felt the stretching more on the front so I was able to like support my body um and then his head was out and I Karen told me one time I didn't have any like coach pushing but she told me one time if you could pause right here and give your body a moment to stretch and I was like it hurts though (laughs) (laughs) That's like the one time I used that kind of negative language because I was like, it hurts. Yeah. Like, I know. If you can. And I was like, okay, I can. And and then after his head was out, my body kind of gave me a breather, which is amazing. Like I had a couple minutes before I had another wave. Um, I even thought one was coming, I was like, Oh, false alarm. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) JK JK. (laughs) Just kidding. Just wanted to make that sound for everyone. And um yeah. And then I had a couple more pushes and his his body was out and he was a little tangled in his cord. So Karen helped kind of guide his cord out as we took him out of the water and I put him on my chest and I was like, I just choked up. I was like my baby. And I don't know who I looked at, but I went, I did it. Nice. I did it. And, and I, I didn't actually like shed tears, but I was just like, so choked up because I was like, I did it. And I, all of this, these last couple of years, I prepared this and like, I believed in my body and my body did exactly what God designed it to do. And I just felt like so, so happy and so loved. I'm like getting, getting choked up. But, um, and at one point during pushing, Sarah said like, so you're surrounded by people who love you. And, and I felt that so much. Like I felt Mike breathing with me, like not telling me to breathe, but breathing in sync with me so that I would be reminded to breathe. And I heard Kelsey saying, all of my affirmations to me. She's saying you're held your body soft and your body strong at the same time. Um, my, your waves come from you, your waves help Boston swim to you. That was like my Mm -hmm. favorite affirmation I wrote. And, um, and, and then Jay was, my sister-in-law was behind me praying like continuously over us. And then the song that came on while Boston was born was, um, I think it's called I am who you say I am. Um, but there's a part where, you know, there's a a lyric that's like about being a child of God. And my sister in law was like, Child of God, Zoe, bring this child of God out. Oh. And and not, not only like was I like bringing out another child of God, but I was just so reminded, like I'm a child and I asked God exactly what I needed and he he delivered and he's here and he's holding me. And, And I felt so, so held, not only by the people in the room, but I felt so held by God the entire time. And then, um, so he's born and, and he had a little bit of extra fluid in his, um, in his chest or his nose or whatever. So Karen kind of like tipped him upside down and he got a bunch of snot out, but Mm. then he was on my chest and, and I got to hold him and he was very vocal, (laughs) (laughs) But he was smiling at me when he came out before he was like crying but it was just it was so different from my my first birth it was so peaceful it was so intuitive and it just felt so guided by by me yeah and and then i was like what time is it and karen was like 15. i'm like what it's <laughs> like wait it's only 10 like what the heck i i was just so Convinced we're gonna be here all night. It's gonna be a long, long, long labor. I just, I, I wanted to be prepared for that, Um, and it was like, you know, it was like four hours of intensity. Wow, (laughs) I could do that again.
1: (laughs) Gosh, what a difference! I mean, Mm -hmm. like in every way (laughs) from your first birth.
0: Every way, yeah, it was amazing. And so I asked. I asked afterward at our appointment a couple days later. Um, just cause I was curious at this point, you know, what, what my numbers were or what her estimates were when she checked me. So when she checked me in the morning that day, I was like at a four or five around 90% effaced, but his head was, was pretty low. I don't remember what station, but his head was pretty engaged with my cervix. And then, um, and then from there I could kind of tell that. And then when she checked me to possibly break my water, I was more toward like a seven. Mm. And then, um, well, when I went back and, and recollected uh, when I was like in transition and then when I was pushing, uh, I asked her, how long was I pushing for then? She's like 19 minutes. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what? Like mm. I pushed for two hours
1: of Bodhi. It's so mm. crazy. It is. And and to not to say that, you know, obviously we can do all of this preparation and then things go differently from this. But, Completely. but you did do all of this preparation and it did go this way. And I know that you have to feel such, such strength from that and such, I mean, just the capability of like, wow, I did my part, you know, like I did what I could do and, and it turned out in such a powerful, peaceful way.
0: Yeah, and I think just to be also be surrounded by, that many women and I had also a couple months before I got to photograph Kelsey's home birth I forgot to mention that and it was amazing to witness a home birth in person Mm -hmm. before my own and hers was pretty precipitous like she had a long two-week prodromal labor but after her water broke her baby came an hour later so that was like definitely a precipitous birth yeah um but to have her there and Kelsey is like she's the person who will cry with you and like validate you. And, and she's a yoga therapist too. So she has a lot of meaningful tools, but sometimes it's just like helpful to have someone cry with you when you're Mm -hmm. feeling anxious. And she was, I think she doesn't, she is able to be emotional, but also be really good at her work. So just to feel her like so sweetly, like emotional for me Mm -hmm. and so happy that I was like having the birth I wanted was also like, Uh, you know, it's okay. It's okay. I'm emotional. And so that was really special too, that we were able to, to share that we're both able to support each other at our home birth. So that was a really special part too. That is super special. I,
1: one of my friends, um, was with, with my first daughter, Janie. So she was three months ahead of me in pregnancy. And so I was pregnant with Janie at her home birth. And then she came to my home birth with, her baby. (laughs) And then we had the same kind of flip where I, she was pregnant with her baby at my second home birth. And then I went with my baby to her home birth, you know, like six months later, it's just, it's so neat to be able to have that experience where you are at someone's birth and then they're at your birth and the babies are kind of connected in this cool
0: way. Yeah, it was, it was really, really special Mm. and really beautiful just to be surrounded by all all these people I know and trust and, and you mentioned something about trust in the beginning. It's so important to have providers that you trust. But another thing is that Karen trusted me. Like, Mm. I think a lot of times doctors will kind of talk, treat you like a child or kind of ask you if you're doing something and then, and then not believe you if you're, Mm -hmm. if you say you are. And, and that kind of dialogue can just feel like really condescending and disempowering. But Karen just like she fully trusted me and was like she never ever spoke to me that way she always treated me with so much respect and support and I think that helped me trust myself like that helped build my confidence so much because I was like she has all these experiences and she's telling me how confident she is in me and and that I can do this that then I'm gonna believe her you know so Mm -hmm. I think that's really really important too to have the trust go both ways.
1: Mm, that is such a good point. I love that.
0: Oh man. Well, so Zoe,
1: as we close out, I'd love to hear how your postpartum has been this time around.
0: Yeah, so um i I'm pretty lucky I didn't tear with either of my births, mm. and I was really happy to hear that I didn't tear during this birth because I was there when Kelsey got stitches during mm. her home birth. So I was like, that would not be fun, but I was lucky <laughs> I didn't tear. So that wasn't something I had to worry about too much. Um, nursing, I think just because I was less anxious this time and I kind of knew what to look for. Um, nursing had the normal kind of uh, getting used to period where it was a little bit painful at first, but um, we're doing pretty good right now. And I feel like my milk supply is actually better because I am I rested more and better about eating more and and hydrating better. So Nursing has been great for the most part. This guy is pretty needy as far as sleep. Where Bodhi was pretty independent. Like after the first couple of nights, she kind of would give us three, four hour stretches. So mm-hmm. we we're very spoiled. Um, so this guy has been a little bit more like up in our business, like <laughs> wants to party. <laughs> oh man. Oh
1: um, gosh. But, Chloe, yeah. I I'm so happy for your experience. I just, I'm so thrilled to hear it. And what a happy home birth you experienced. And one thing I did want to mention, because you mentioned earlier that you are a motherhood photographer. Would you be willing to share your information with the listeners so that they can follow along with you on Instagram?
0: I would love to. So my um, my business website and portfolio is, uh, dot com, And then my instant, my business Instagram is at the Um, you'll know it when everything's yellow because everything's, <laughs> everything's yellow in my life. So, um, <laughs> and then I share a lot of personal, uh, like shares on that page, but I also have a personal Instagram, um, that's just at aloha.zozocole. So, um, I can share any links to that. But yeah, so I do maternity and newborn and and birth. So right now it's just been home birth because uh, f- most facilities are not allowing mm-hmm. multiple um, support people. But any time that that happens again, I'm happy to do hospital and birth center births mm-hmm. once again. But it, my life is surrounded by moms and, and celebrating them. And I absolutely love what I do. Oh, well, and it has been such an honor to
1: have you share your stories with us. And I know that they are going to be so impactful to so many other women. So Zoe, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home birth podcast.
0: Oh, I'm so excited and so honored that I got to share my stories. Thank you for having me. Wasn't that the picture of a happy home birth?
1: I am so thrilled for Zoe and the fact that she was able to experience such a peaceful event after having such a traumatic first birth. As we dive into this week's episode roundup, a few discussion points come to mind. Number one, Zoe discussed how she really felt she was on autopilot with her first pregnancy. I feel like this happens to so many women, and I think that it's a societal issue, not recognizing birth for the totally transformative, life-altering rite of passage that it is. And what's so sad is that when we don't realize this, we can't prepare for it with the honor that it deserves. So make sure you're shouting this message from the mountaintops. Whether someone wants to give birth at home or in hospital, preparation for this event is of course paramount. And number two, holy obstetric abuse, Batman. Listening to Zoe's experience, although it's common, it still brings a blood boiling feeling. I know that there are some amazing OBs out there, but dang, the ones who do things like break your water and then call it discharge or fuss at you to be induced at 39 weeks, they're all too common. And of course, there are midwives like that too. We've got to be so selective when it comes to our care providers for our own protection and the protection of our babies. Finally, what a difference between her first and second babies. Zoe truly took her pregnancy and birth into her own hands with her second child. And boy, was she blessed by the experience. Zoe took Happy Home Birth Academy, went to the chiropractor, did acupuncture, nourished herself, everything she could to honor this birth and this baby. As she said, her first birth experience taught her so much. And with her second, she was able to step into motherhood for a second time totally transformed. Okay, my friends, that's all I've got for you today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast community,
0: and check us out on Instagram at Happy Podcast.